Fantasy football trade deadlines are approaching. We get you prepped for it and Thanksgiving on tonight's program. So grab a drink or a leg and let's kick it. It's the IBT podcast coming at you. Cause I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the bunch, check your stat line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. And I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the jet sweet, sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like they see every play, so I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way, and it's for the law with only one thing to do, I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line for you with they Just one thing to say, yeah, what they don't know, something they haven't seen, I'm off that mean Joe Green, it got me fading between, yeah, I got it, and I got it. The In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, all right. It is November 21st, 2023, and yes, Thanksgiving week is here. And listen, I know the Pilgrims, they weren't all that great of people now really looking back on it. Um, actually kind of fucked up people actually w- when you're really thinking about it. Uh, but we're going to enjoy this weekend of family, friends, food, and of course, NFL football. Anyways, I am Seth Wilcock. I'm ready to put on the LBs this weekend. And I'm joined by a man who just went through a battle with that son of a bitch, the flu, a guy who's watched the office from front to back and the pulse of the fancy football industry, Scott Rainier. What's up, Scott? How's it going? Yeah, I'm Almost back to 100%. So it was not a fun week last week, but, you know, it happens. So hey. got to catch up on some Netflix documentaries and that sort of thing. So there we go. There we go, man. And what a good time to do it because we got the fantasy football playoffs quickly approaching and a huge slate of football for about four days this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Thanksgiving. So we get, you know, we're, we're used to this one game on Thursday nights that's typically notoriously not very good. Yeah, um, but Thanksgiving's a whole different, a whole different, uh, a whole different universe from that. Um, it's one of the funnest days of football for me, just because every year, you know, we would always go to my grandma's house. She's no longer with us, but it would, you know, it just that 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 comfort and that familiarity of my grandma's house, how it smells, how it looks, my relatives snacking all day, yeah. eating at night, um, and watching football. Um, and I mean, there's been, you know, especially since I started playing fantasy, you know, because I've been we've been doing that for Thanksgiving since I was a kid. But once I started playing fantasy football, that added a whole other layer to that day. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's just it's just this like, you know, this this random Thursday, uh, at least in <laughs> fantasy football, where you have six teams playing and there's a lot of fantasy action. So, you know, and my Seahawks are playing the primetime game yes. against the 49ers. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But um, I'm looking forward to it. 
and the Detroit Lions are finally good, which is going to be exciting because I've always kind of dug that 12-30 game. There's always been some sneaky value. A lot of times for the Lions, I feel like we get backup quarterbacks, um, whether it was Brett Rippon or or some of these uh, other other backups. Tim Boyle, I think, started a Thursday night Thanksgiving game a, a couple weeks ago or a couple years ago. So, yeah, I'm excited to see the Lions actually be good and, and efficient here and, and have some fun on Thanksgiving. Uh, tonight on the show, we are jam-packed. Uh, annual episode of comping players to Thanksgiving dishes, talking about some trade targets we're interested in. And then from the forum, we're going to get to your questions uh, here in the chat and also over at fancyfootballadvice.com. And in the scope, our waivers a week early segment. Uh, also joining us tonight is the guy I'm excited to see this weekend. Enjoy a couple bush lights around a fire. Uh, that's our audio engineer, Kyle Scott. What's up, Kyle? Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm out here doing the best I can. How's it going, Seth? Hey, man, it's going good. Uh, unfortunately, in the league you and I are in together, I'm not in the playoff picture for the first time we've ever done this league. It's an 18 playoff. Your boy's on the outside looking in. So I'm sweating that out a little bit, honestly, man. Yeah, in that league, I mean, I lost for the first time since week four uh, today um, or this week by half a point. Oh, okay. Uh, and I don't want to brag or anything, but uh, according to Sleeper, I had the best uh, start-sit percentage in the league. Uh, <laughs> it was in the 90s. Uh, I don't want to brag or anything. Uh, and this is the first time I've lost because I had better players on the bench. I sat Tommy DeVito, and I'm Ooh. very upset about it. So Who's starting Tommy DeVito? <laughs> Kyle Ooh. was. Kyle was for who, weeks. <laughs> who on earth? Well, unless you're forced to. Who, but okay, maybe you're starting Tommy DeVito because you're in a pinch. But who saw that coming? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I guess that's the Washington Commanders here in 2023, man. Anything can happen. And uh, hey, uh, we'll talk about it later too, but it's a good day for me already. Matt Canada has been fired. We get one less tyrant out of the fucking NFL. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank the, the the good Lord of Jesus the and honestly like the Thanksgiving gods are out here. Uh, how about that, Scott? That was that was oh, a fun man. note to I, mean, to. I don't have as much emotionally invested in you know his <laughs> yeah. future or lack thereof with the Steelers, but I'm I'm part of the football community and fantasy football community, so like I've been right there with it with yeah. everybody. I loved the I hadn't seen it before the the footage of after the win when Chris Boswell came walking in. Yes. Like I guess Matt that's where Matt Canada joined him from, you know, his throne high on mm. high, high on high on top. And he was like cheering and Chris Boswell was just like it's not cuz of you dude I can tell you that. I was just like, "Oh, I love you Chris Boswell." <laughs> that's like the type of thing I want to say at work like all the time to yeah. like to to the higher ups and I just don't. Dude, I I, I love it, man. I I love thing. It. Like it's qualitative at this point, but stuff like this can spark things yes. which can then inf influence fantasy football. So we'll see. Yeah, things are going to shift up here for sure in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about tonight as we look a little bit further down the line. Who are some players who can help you potentially win your championship? We'll talk about that in trade targets. Um, so I just want to shout out the IBT family before we get going here a little bit. Uh, very thankful for you guys around this time of year, especially our channel has grown a ton this season and our website has grown a ton and it's all because of you guys. 
you guys are allowing us to make more content because you're subscribing, you're liking, you're commenting, you're engaging, you're telling your friends. Like, like that stuff goes a long way. So I'm very thankful for the IBT family, Scott. And I, I think they're, they're someone who kind of keep this thing going uh, on a weekly basis, even when we're not up for it. Every other, you know, some days, you know, you're, you're just not there. And when you have all these awesome faces like we do in the chat every night, it's awesome. Oh, man, it makes it. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that, I mean, it's just like, it's it's proof that there's there's at least one person listening to what we're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, and it's not our mom. I, yeah, because <laughs> you, you and I both know there's been. I mean, there's been times. I remember I was helping a buddy. This was 15 years ago. Yeah, get a Mariners blog, and he did his own little recorded thing, podcast thing. And yeah, I don't know if anybody was listening, but I joined him a few times, and like I probably no one ever heard it. Yeah. So I mean, it's like. It's really nice just to have, you know, the same some of the same people showing back up, supporting the supporting the channel, supporting us. It's it's great. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you guys. Uh, if you are new to the channel, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up if you enjoy this type of content. And let's jump into it with headline hijinks. <laughs> All right, and we have some interesting dishes today here, Scott, because we didn't go with your traditional turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, really any of the the usual Thanksgiving dishes we comp here in this episode. Um, so I have to get the question out of the way. What is your favorite Thanksgiving dish, uh, boot to the butt? What, what are you going with? You know, I think probably if I just had to choose, um, I think my specifically my grandma's stuffing with gravy okay just not you know nothing crazy nothing exotic um i I, stuffing's just one of my favorite pieces one of my favorite parts Mm -hmm. uh, of the thanksgiving meal but you know i mean you know how it is like your grandma's recipe your mom's recipe hell yeah you know again it's that familiarity it's that comfort that that brings you back to like the the ignorance of your childhood (laughs) you know when you eat it and you know like the movie ratatouille um so but yeah that, that, I mean, I don't, I don't really have like when the, those questions come up. Favorite, what's your favorite food? Like, I don't have a favorite food really. Right. You know, same. I like all sorts of food, but I think if I had to choose, like, that's typically what I'm eating the most of. I'm with you, man. The stuffing is probably if you can get a good stuffing, I think it is probably the best dish at Thanksgiving. Have you ever had corn pudding, Scott? I think corn yep. pudding is excellent as well. Yep. Not, not. We, it's not been a, a traditional thing. Okay. Um, but. I have had it and I, I love it. And if you can like fuck with a good green bean casserole, it has to be done right. You can easily have a terrible green bean casserole. So it's very oh, kind of on the line. Uh, but but a good green bean casserole hits pretty well as uh, too. Uh, Albert in the chat. What's up, Albert? Good to see you tonight, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Kyle, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish, my man? Uh, I'm with you guys. Stuffing is top of the line. I help my mom make our stuffing every year. Yes, it's, it's so good. But that that's taken up at least probably forty five percent of my plate on the first <laughs> go through. Uh, but one of my other favorites is carrots and parsnips. I don't know if you guys have ever had that. No, it's uh, it's a nice little sweet, fresh. It really brightens things up uh, against all the savory, heavy food of Thanksgiving. I like and it. I yeah, hate I green bean casserole. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I also will say, I said it last year on the show. I'll say it every year. 
But a good salad at Thanksgiving is wonderful. I, I fuck with the salad. I, I know everyone else at, at um, my girlfriend's Thanksgiving could, could care less about the salad. I'm there for it. I'm defending it. Kyle, do you mess with a salad at Thanksgiving or do you kind of get that with your carrots? Uh, I don't think we've ever served salad at Thanksgiving, to be honest. Fair I don't enough. think. Uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever served salad at any family gathering, actually thinking about it. All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Kai, or Scott, let's go ahead. Let's jump into our comps here. Where are you going? Who is someone you're trying to buy, sell, or hold potentially at this time of year? Um, I'm going to start. I'm, I'm not going to bury my lead. So my headline, and again, this is kind of an out there one, but Jalen Warren is the jalapeno cranberry sauce. So I know cranberry sauce can get a pretty bad rap because, you know, it's – by itself, cranberry is not a very strong taste. No. Um, I, for a long time when I was a kid, just ignored it. But then I started putting it on my turkey, and I, I thought it was pretty delicious. But then my wife made a jalapeno cranberry sauce with just the perfect amount of kick to it. Um, and so there will always be two bowls because there's, you know, I have my dad and my kids don't like spicy food. So there's always two bowls, the regular and the, the jalapeno. And I'm always just like, all right, I will plant the jalapeno cranberry wow. sauce here. So I really love it. And so... Jalen Warren, um, I think is, is a buy, um, you know, this is, we were talking about this before the show, like there's nothing necessarily quantitative to indicate that they're all of a sudden going to give him the work that a lot of us think he should have. Um, but Matt Canada is no longer the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. Now, whether it was his fault, whether he was the one saying, Ooh, that explosive guy, way too big chunk yard plays. I don't like that. Let's go for three (laughs) yard plays with Najee. Whether he was, you know, limiting Jalen Warren directly, I don't know. Um, but man, Warren looked good in, in this past game. And for some reason, they went away from him. And, you know, that, among other things, cost them a pretty crucial game yep. in a division rivalry with the oh, same yeah. record as the Browns. So, um, you know, I I just I'm, I feel like just kind of an uptick in their offense coming just because Matt, it's addition by subtraction with Matt Canada. Um so I think Warren, I think Warren's going to see more usage, and he's, I mean, he's shown it when he when he's used this year, he's highly efficient, explosive. Um, I mean, some of those runs he had against the Browns, you know, he's just easily the more explosive back. I'm not sitting here saying he should be, he should have 100 of the run, running back rushes. Najee Harris should be benched. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I think he should be much more involved than he has been. So you know, you probably could still get him for fairly cheap. I don't know. He's you know, it's always tough because he's coming off a game where he scored a lot of fantasy points. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the Steelers. It's still Kenny Pickett. So you know, you might be able to get him. So he's he's a target of mine if my trade deadline has not passed. RB eleven the last month. I think that kind of puts into perspective a little bit what Jalen Warren is doing. And it's very interesting as well, Scott, because at the beginning of the season he was kind of up there pacing with some of the reception leaders for the running back position. Now he's more doing it on the ground with some of these explosive plays, which has been great to see. Who is someone you would be trying to trade for Jalen Warren if you're staying in the running back department, or would you be more looking to to move a, like a wide receiver two or three for him? Honestly, something I was thinking about, and the only the only league I have Mixon in. Careful, I'm not saying you should trade Joe Mixon straight up for Jalen Warren, but what I was thinking is Joe Mixon for Jalen Warren plus. I think is something I would might be trying. I'm okay. I'm concerned about like Joe Mixon. You know, he's been he's been great. Like he's not exciting. He never has been. Never will be probably. But he's been scoring fantasy points. He's you know one of the only bell cows in the league. 
but I really think this burrow injury is going to, it, it's going to be tough on him. Um, you know, with, with, you know, being Jake Browning was, he's seems pretty confident and, you know, former, former dog. Um, but you know, you, you can never completely load the box against the Bengals with yep. Jamar Chase, T Higgins and some of their pass catchers. But, you know, the first place to go when thinking, oh, this quarterback injury is like, oh, the, the pass catchers, the receivers. But I think this is going to I think that it's not going to tank Joe Mixon, but I'm, I'm a okay. little concerned moving forward. So he's got the name value. He's got the points per game so far on the season. He's got the workload where I would potentially try and move him for Jalen Warren, plus maybe, you know, a, a receiver, you know, in the same range as Jalen Warren or something like that. That, that, that would be something. I'm going to name some receivers straight up. Just give me a yes or no. Calvin Ridley. Trade you trade them for Jalen Warren, Calvin. Yeah, yep, yep. Calvin. Uh, Yes, I would. Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Nico. Yeah. DK Metcalf. No. Okay. Okay. So I think we found the line. I think it's right. Kind of. You know. I think that's a good line there. And I like those receivers. I mean, Ridley. You know, he's coming off a good week, so we can. It's a. You know, two weeks ago you asked me that question. Like no, no hesitation. But with Ridley, it's just been so hit or miss. With the Jag- with the Jaguars' offense, it's been so hit or miss. Yeah. Um, and then McLaurin, McLaurin, Nico. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a Tank Dell guy. I, I'm all aboard the Tank Dell train now. I still think Nico is going to be good, but I think he's going to be more of like what we saw last week, where he out targeted Dell, but had, you know, far less production on yeah. that on those targets. Hundred percent. All right, I'll go to my first comp of the night, and we'll stick with the theme. I'm going to go with the regular cranberry sauce being Trevor Lawrence. And why this is the case is every year I think cranberry sauce might be something, you know, that I want to get into. I want to mess with it. I want to bring a little color to the play. I want to be like Scott. You know, I'm hearing all my sophisticated friends, adult friends saying, hey, try the cranberry sauce. So I'm trying it. And every year it lets me down. It disappoints me. And I feel like that's Trevor Lawrence this year, man. Like you just can't get this guy right. He has a two-point performance here in a crucial week number 10. Everyone benches him. He comes back, and then it's 32 points pretty much on everyone's bench. And it's just – it's crazy, man. And now I like – I don't know what to do with him because I called him droppable. I I wrote the uh, winners and losers article when you uh, were were out last week, Scott, week 10, and I said he was droppable after that game because it's Cleveland, Baltimore, and then Carolina in week number 17 – which hasn't been great for fantasy quarterbacks. And I just don't know when you're going to play Trevor Lawrence and, and have confidence with it. And now like he's too good to drop again. Yeah. I mean, basically this week against Houston, that's a great matchup. Um, I would, I would, I would start him this week, but you're right. Beyond that, there's one good matchup remaining. That's Tampa Bay in week 16. Other than that, he's got Cleveland who with my numbers is the worst matchup quarterbacks. Carolina in week 17, who's the second worst, second toughest. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like his rest of se- rest of season schedule, but he is kind of in that limbo zone. I mean, I told you before the show in one of my 10 team leagues, one quarterback, I already was kind of cycling through some different quarterbacks. Yeah. I just dropped him after the two point game and like clockwork, he scores 30 points. But I mean, keep in mind the 30 points was buoyed by two rushing touchdowns. They count. Yes, they do count. I'm not trying to poo poo that. But you can't expect two rushing touchdowns. If you take those off his day, not quite as weak winning as it was. So, you know, the needle move ticked back up, shows me he's still capable of this sort of thing. But with that schedule, I'm not, he's not the QB I want to be relying on moving forward. Yep. 
All right, Trevor Lawrence, you won't be on my plate anymore moving forward. Uh, Scott, go ahead. Take it with your next comp, my man. All right. We're going to go with somebody you mentioned that I would not trade for Jalen Warren. That's DK Metcalf. He is homemade whipped cream, which makes any pie you put it on better, Seth. Um, this is in response to Seth, Seth's <laughs> tweet the other day saying whipped cream on pumpkin pie. No bueno. And I can respect that. I can respect that opinion. Um, but... <clears throat> You know, especially with just the store-bought stuff. But, you know, once again, I think, you know, my wife makes a... And whipped cream, is not, it's not its not anything complicated. But it's just, it's so much better than the store-bought stuff. You know, you can you can de-sweeten it a little. You don't put nearly as much sugar in it. So it's mm-hmm. just more of a kind of a refreshing layer and, okay. and texture to add to the to the warm pie. So the, in this in this case, uh, homemade whipped cream that makes any pie better is a good thing. And DK Metcalf is, you know, he's pretty up there. So it's not like you can buy low necessarily on DK Metcalf. But I mean, we, I think we talked about this two weeks ago. The Seattle Seahawks have the best remaining schedule um, for wide receivers. Yes. Rest of season. And especially, true. In, uh, especially in the playoffs. Um, and I mean, he's kind of come on a little bit. We'll see about Geno Smith's health. Um, <clears throat> you know, it was fun watching the Drew Locke experience for about a quarter last week, but I think Geno Smith, even, even if he potentially doesn't play this week, um, I think he'll, he'll play out the season. Um, and Metcalf, you know, his, his target share has gone up a, f- a few ticks over the last month. You know, he's been seen more, he's just kind of been more established as that wide receiver one on the team. Um, and I mean, you know, cause it's just been, it's been a little bit of an odd year with him. Gino has been way less accurate. hundred um, percent. Way, you know, way more you than know, I think thought, we talked yeah. about this, you know, there was a game where Gino or DK had 14 targets, 30 plus percent target share, which is typically something would be, you, you would, you would be in the top 10 that week in fantasy points. It's just historically you would, but only five were caught. And he wasn't dropping many. So they just, they weren't connecting. They've started to as of late. And I think they're going to be passing quite a bit um, if Kenneth Walker misses a bunch of time. So, um, so yeah, if you can still potentially get him, you know, the Seahawks have kind of faltered a little bit lately. Um, so there, there's a chance that you could still sneak him in. But he's a guy that I think is the best is yet to come for him this season. Yeah, we're finally starting to see it a little bit. He let us down in week nine with only six points, and then it's mm-hmm. been two strong performances since then. So thankful he's getting going. And like you said, Scott, next couple matches matchups for him, San Francisco, Dallas, San Francisco, Philly, they're going to have to throw if they want to win those games. They can't play conservative, especially without uh, KW3 back there. Um, so I'm there with you on the Geno Smith call. I will say, and, and this will transition us in, into my next comp, it's not that I don't think whipped cream on pie is not good. I don't think it adds value. That's that's okay. the whole whole crux here. And one, I think pumpkin pie is best served cold. I don't know why. I think it is. Um, but I think pumpkin pie with whipped cream, dude, it gets the pie all like moist and like there's like just it, it's too damp. It's too damp, and I'm not about it. Um, even though it's already kind of a damp pie. So. Marquise Brown is cool whip on top of pumpkin pie Adds zero value. And just in general, like I don't think Marquise Brown has helped fantasy teams at all this season. He's had no better finish than wide receiver 14. He had a stretch there where he was solid, like, like scoring in the teens quite a bit, but never had that true ceiling game. And he's been single digits in five of the last six games. Like he's been hurting you so badly and for some reason, everyone thought everything was going to get fixed as soon as Kyler Murray came back. Targets are down from 8.5 a game to four and a half, Scott. It's only two games, but there was no Michael Wilson last week. That's what really concerns me, too. 
Because we we've been talking Michael Wilson up and how he's this kind of you know bigger profiled receiver that that Kyler Murray likes, and he wasn't out there. And it's Trey McBride who's kind of playing that role. I, I think he's the main read here in this offense now. And Marquise Brown, I think, is just going to be disappointing with the upcoming schedule. Bottom ten at the position. So, do you like Marquise Brown better than I do? Do you, you seemingly like uh, whipped cream better than I do? <laughs> I don't. I do like whipped cream. I don't know if I like cool whip though. Um, which is kind of like the margarine of whipped okay. cream. Um, okay. No, you bring up some good points. And I mean, I, I I didn't fall in the in the camp that was like, okay, Kyler Murray comeback will automatically make Marquise Brown a wide receiver one. I did think, you know, the entire offense would improve under Kyler Murray. Um, nothing against Joshua Dobbs. Joshua Dobbs is one of my favorite stories of the season, of maybe the past few seasons. Yeah. I love that guy. Um you know, and then there was the one game that you kind of throw out with Clayton Toon. Um, but I, I did think that I thought that there would be an uptick. Now, it's still a, we're in that we're in that window of the season where saying something like, well, it's still a small sample size with Kyler Murray. Yes, but we are out of time. You know, we don't have time to let sample sizes, you know, grow necessarily at this time. I'm not completely yeah. off on him yet just because it has only been a couple games back. But, yeah, I mean, Murray was not it was not Kyle, it, it was not Marquise Brown. That was the beneficiary of Murray's return at this point. It was it was McBride, um, you know, and a deep touchdown pass to Rondell Moore last, or a, a long touchdown pass to, to Rondell Moore last week. So is that going to change? Maybe, uh, but yeah, they don't have they don't have a great schedule either. So, you know, if if you could potentially sell him, like, hey, it's Marquise Brown. You remember him? He's good. And Kyler Murray's back. Here you go. You know, I'll take the good. I'll take the pennies on the dollar at this point. I really will if I still have him anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. He has had double digit, digit targets in four out of the last six games. You know, some of those with Murray, some with not. Um, but, you know, three catches on five targets last game. You know, that's that doesn't give me a lot of confidence moving forward. I would do it for Jalen Warren in a heartbeat. Yeah, I would do that. Gus Edwards, Jerome Ford, anyone kind of in that that range, I think I would do. Um, what about wide receivers? Because I, I think I would do him for... Now with no Mark Andrews, probably Zay Flowers. I'd probably rather have Zay Flowers at this point now. Uh, that one's close for me. That's okay. that's about the range for me. What about I your boy say. Addison? Um, I'd rather have Addison. Same, same. I don't think that's popular opinion either. I think we might be in the probably minority not. of that one. But probably not. But okay. So, I mean, yeah, Kirk Cousins, you know, was was throwing the ball over the field, but again, Joshua Dobbs just makes things happen, man. I'm not, obviously it's not been, you know, and now the, with Justin Jefferson not coming back, there's talk of him not coming back till after their bye. So that's right. a couple more games for Addison as the wide receiver one. So yeah, I'd rather have Addison. Okay. All right. Yeah. So guys, if you can get off of Marquise Brown still, while there's some hope, like you can't <clears throat> sell him for nothing, but like these are some players in the range we would talk about moving off of him for. So uh, consider that moving forward the rest of the season. And Scott, you got one more comp for us. I do. So this is this is probably a buy high. Um, but Brandon Brandon Ayuk is homemade pecan pie, but specifically homemade pecan pie that is made by somebody who really knows how to bake. Okay. Um, Quantify that. Would, what, what does that mean? Someone who knows how to bake. Someone who is good at baking, like someone who knows what they're doing, you know, I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I guess a, a silly way of saying a really good homemade pecan pie. Okay. So pecan pie is a little bit of a polarizing pie, but it's my personal, I will take pecan pie, good, a good one, over pumpkin pie, 
365 days out of the year. Oh my God. Wow. It's my favorite. It's my favorite of the Thanksgiving desserts. And I'm a little bit biased because my wife, you know, my wife is the cook. If you can't tell by now in this episode, (laughs) my wife is the cook in the house. Um, She makes a delicious one. So in that context, my favorite dessert, you know, super yummy, sweet dessert, Brandon Ayuk. And I'm, I feel good about this call with Brandon Ayuk because I've been, I've been tooting the Brandon Ayuk horn for a while since before the season started. And then lately, I, you know, for the last month or so, I've been talking about his upcoming schedule because he, you know, along with the Seahawks, the 49ers have an amazing rest of season right, schedule right. for wide receivers. Um, and I mean, he showed last week, even with Debo back, Kittle, Kittle was there, McCaffrey was there, everybody was there, Purdy, you know, he, he was the wide receiver one. And that's, that's his ceiling that, that, you know, that 130 plus, not just, oh, he got to hundred yards and maybe a touchdown. Those 130, 40 yard touchdown days, like he gets and Keenan Allen gets and Tank Dell started to get those types of, you know, true wide receiver one dominant performances. And I think he's going to put up some more. I mean, I think he, I think he finishes this season right up there with some of the elite guys. So that's why I kind of call him a buy high in a way, because I think you can still get him for less than some of the top level guys, but I think he is going to produce like some of the top level guys. I mean, the 49ers came out of their buy just humming. Like Purdy's healthy, you know, they're, they're back to, you know, there was that, that blip and as a Seahawks fan, I was like, Oh cool. They suck three in a row. They lost, but <laughs> yeah. now they're, now they're back to steamrolling everybody. Um, and so, I mean, and I've always believed in Ayuk's talent since his rookie season. Um, that was one of my big, my bold calls with this site earlier this year was him over. Was. Um, so he's a guy I'm trying to get everywhere if I can. And I'll give you credit, man, on that call, because I think I've always doubted Brandon Ayuk a little bit. Obviously, he, he puts up a huge performance in week one, and I had to back off that take. And then I think I was just getting a little concerned. He hadn't found the end zone for a couple weeks. The Niners were struggling a little bit heading into that buy, and, and I still didn't take the opportunity to buy him low, and I'm regretting it because we've seen some great performances since then. Obviously, five for 156 and one here uh, in week number 11. So, Great to see that from Ayuk and strength of schedule rest of season. According to the fancy pros tool, uh, he's top five for them. Is he also up there for you? Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they have, they have a couple games against Seattle, um, you know, and Seattle hasn't, hasn't been quite the cakewalk that maybe they seem like, but they mm-hmm. do give up a lot of work to wide receivers. Yes. Um, and then they have a game against Arizona. They do have a game against Baltimore in week 16, but week 17, they get the commanders. So they've got one of those. They've got one of those championship week ideal matchups uh, in week, and it's just it's just one of those things where the, the the Niners' offense, you know, because of how efficient and effective it, it looks to be back to you know two after the bye, um, the this the bad matchups don't concern me as much as they would with a more mediocre offense because they have so many different pieces yes. that the, just the high value the high value targets there's going to be more of them for IU because they're going to be farther deeper in their opponent's territory. Because they're just a better offense than most of them in the league. So, so even with some of the tougher matchups, I mean, he's all systems go. I think it's safe to say, like, he's a low end wide receiver one at this point. Like, like is is that is would, that too bold yeah. to say? I I don't think so. Um, I mean, if we start from last week to the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If that's the if, time frame we're looking at that he's a top twelve guy. If we redrafted um, today too, I think he would go in those top tw- twelve receivers rest of the season. He would, he would. I mean, like going into any given season, I, that that's 
that's pushing it a little even for me just because of the inconsistency we've seen. Yeah. It hasn't been a super consistent thing. Um, but, you know, I just with with players like Ayuk, it's the same with Drake London. It's the same with Garrett Wilson. It's these guys who the peripheral, the peripherals, the met, the peripheral metrics, the market share stuff, the efficiency stuff. It's there. It yeah. is there. So that's why I've always been. And it was there in college. So that's why I've always just been in Ayuk's camp, you know, because I believe in that talent and we're seeing it this year. I love it, man. I will round us out with my final comp of the night. And it's Isaiah Pacheco is a role after the pre-dinner walk with your cousins. And listen, I know the role isn't always the most appetizing thing, but when you go off, yeah, you go off with the cousins for a little stroll down the neighborhood and you cannot wait to consume that role. Everyone's getting their plate. You're just chowing into the role, getting ready to go there. Uh, and I think Isaiah Pacheco is a lot like this role here, Scott, after you get a little tuned up. Um, his high total in, in the past month is 10.1. So I think a lot of managers are seeing that number and panicking a little bit. However, when you look a little closer, top 14 in opportunity share and red zone touches, seeing the six most light fronts in the league, Mahomes still keeps uh, th- those fronts off of him. We saw it against Philadelphia on Monday night. He had a ton of room to run against one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL and still averaging 17.2 touches per game. Like that's borderline workhorse opportunities at this point. Best rest of season schedule for running backs, Las Vegas, Green Bay, Buffalo, New England, Las Vegas, and uh, Cincinnati, week number 17, which still allows over five yards per carry. So I think Isaiah Pacheco, this is the cheapest you're going to get him. I think you got to go after him now. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's the guy. A few of my dynasty leagues where I'm in win now mode. I I tried to I tried to get him a few weeks back, and people weren't biting. I think it's this. I mean, the Patriots, the last team on their schedule that is a is a not a plus matchup for running backs. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about is they start bringing one more person into the box because they'll just stop covering MVS altogether. <laughs> they'll be like, we don't need to cover this guy. We just won't cover him. He can just run, do what he needs to. What a what? I mean, I feel kind of bad for him. Like. A game-winning freaking touchdown he drops. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, no, I like it. You know, he hasn't. He, you know, he he's not one of those guys that's going to win you your week. His targets have, you know, he had some surprisingly uh, quite a few targets earlier in the season, but he's only had two over the last two games. Yeah, um, but he has had over 15 carries in both of the last two games. So he's their guy. He's their running back. Um, you know, and he doesn't suffer from the tush push that. Running backs that the Eagles suffer from if you get near the end zone, that's going to Jalen Hurts. He doesn't, yeah. really, he doesn't really have that. So yeah, I like it. I think he's a I think he's a solid RB2 for the rest of the season. Um, you know, and I I mean, you know, the Chiefs, the wide receivers, they they've just lost on national TV to the Eagles, but I still believe in that offense. I still think it's a really good offense. Um, so I want pieces of it. I think this proves more than anything that if they want to win another Super Bowl, they gotta stop fucking trying to get Kadarius Tony, MVS. I don't even want to speak his name. It's like Voldemort on this show because I've been saying this for years. And then what the hell? Why is Justin Watson getting fucking 11 targets? That is absurd. That well, is the, he, he had a key drop right at the end. He didn't just have one range. key drop. He, this guy was dropping everything yeah. that was coming to him, man. Like, it was ridiculous. And Mahomes had eyes only for him. Travis Kelsey was open a lot on the night. Rice was open a few times. And he just would not come off of Watson being his primary it's, read. I, I couldn't believe it. It's kind of bizarre because, like, it's not that they haven't had 
the financial or draft opportunity to go after a, an alpha wide receiver since Tyreek Hill left that, you know, and I get it that like t- Travis Kelsey basically is their alpha, alpha wide receiver, but it's almost a little bit cocky to think that they can do it without it. You know, it, it all this year, it's almost seemed like Andy Reed lost a bet to bill Belichick <laughs> and to cash in on that bet. Bill Belichick said, I will choose your receivers. for you. <laughs> Cause it's very Patriots esque with just kind of crappy receivers all over the place. I do like Rasheed Rice. I think I like I like yeah. the potential moving forward with Rasheed Rice. But this year he's not really, you know, he just doesn't get him enough on the field. Targets. His yards per route run is really good, blah, blah, blah. But he's not producing fantasy points um when he doesn't score touchdowns. Well, that's because fucking Justin Watson's gotta get his eleven targets, that's Scott. There's sense. none, there's none left doesn't for make any sense, man. <laughs> Well, and I, I think that's the bottom line is what I'm trying to say is like, I think Andy Reid's going to look himself in the mirror and says, say, Hey, I got to stop trying to get these mediocre players, the ball as much as we are right now. Like lean on jet McKinnon, lean on Isaiah Pacheco, Leon, I mean, lean on your, your playmakers, your real playmakers. That's Pacheco and, and Kelsey at this point in this offense. Well, and that's the thing too. It's like, I mean, yes, they have won a couple Super Bowls, So it's like, it's hard to be like, Oh, we're, they're, they're, they're wasting the Super Bowl window, but I mean, every year is a new year, and every team wants to win the Super Bowl every single year. And so, I mean, this, I mean, this season, you know, I mean, they've got Mahomes still in his prime. They've got a top-level defense on the other side of the ball, you know. So, I mean, they're they're primed to win another one, but I just I don't think they're going to make it with with the lack of weapons. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 there with you, man. And uh, if you guys see me eating a roll very viciously on uh, Thanksgiving this week. Mind your business. You don't know yeah. what's happening. If you're aggressively eating a roll. For me, for me, when I was younger, it was always like, oh, yeah, the timing. I, I have to walk the dog right before dinner. Sorry. <laughs> it's the breaks. Yeah. All right. Uh, Scott, let's go ahead and get to the good people's questions over okay. in from the forum. If you're upstuck, think about what to do here in between. We got advice for you. Back and forth all day trying to pick the play. Let's hear what the boys here had to say. Presented by the Fantasy Football Advice Network. Want to shout out the Fantasy Football Advice Network. This is a platform where players and creators can support each other. You can get real answers and real advice. And it basically takes Discord, Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, wraps it all into one good platform for fantasy footballers. And I've been over there. I've been giving a lot of advice the last couple of weeks. I've been getting a lot of advice when I'm stuck too. It's just good to hear a lot of different minds in the industry kind of come together and get to the information quick. There's not ads on the platform. There's not all this other stuff that's going to kind of bog you down and 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 miss the real key of the advice. So uh, appreciate the platform over there. It's free to join the Fantasy Football Advice Network at FantasyFootballAdvice.com. Go over there, check it out. Let us know how you like it. And uh, let us know if you have any questions you want featured on the show from over there as well. And uh, if you want, you can use the promo code IBT. You're going to get yourself 25% off your pro membership. But again, free to join fantasyfootballadvice.com. Before we jump into the question of the night from the forum here, Scott, we got one from Eris in the chat saying, should I trade DeAndre Swift for Bijan Robinson? All right, man. This is a close one to me in my rest of season rankings. I'm going to be honest. I, I've been rising on Swift a little bit. Um, I think I came into to the season probably lower than anyone on the team uh, on Swift just because I was such a big Gainwell guy. Hasn't come to fruition. 
And it's really hard for me to not want Swift in this situation. But but you've been pumping up Bijan. Eric's been pumping up Bijan for the right reasons the last few. Do you like him better than Swift? This one's really close, to be honest. You know, this seems fairly lateral to me. I mean, Swift thus far, you know, is ahead of him with whether it's total fantasy points, points per game. Um, and they both have, they both, they're both very talented backs that have concerning situations. With with Bijan, we're just hoping the right thing is done. And eventually Bijan, and I mean, you know, we got a good game from him, you know, since his game where he didn't play because he had a headache, we did get a good game from him. So we, yep. we got a touchdown. We got some work. So, you know, that, that softened the blow a little bit. And I mean, Swift's been great, you know, but he hasn't been, he, there's been a little bit of inconsistency with him as well. And, you know, the issue with Swift is, again, the red zone is a different thing for the yeah. Eagles, um, especially when you get down into the goal line situation. Um, they're not going to stop doing that play until it's either banned or somebody stops them, so, which is great if you're a Jalen Hurts manager, but um, <laughs> it could take away touchdowns from your running backs. So oh, this is a tough one. I'm looking at their schedules. Their schedules are fairly similar. You know, they've got they both got a few good, some good matchups left, a couple tough ones. Neither of them just has a you know, Ache, yeah. noticeably better or worse schedule than the other one for running backs. So um, I still think just staying, staying on brand with how I've been, how I've been talking about this. I, I slightly favor Bijan here. Okay. I think I want the player on the better offense. So I think, I think I like, I wouldn't make this move. I think bottom line Eris, like it's too much of a lateral move. Like Scott said, I, I think they're right. Like they're, they're, they're number what? 15, 13 and 14 to me, uh, rest of season. So it, you're really moving laterally. I, I don't think I prefer one or the other, but if I had to gun to the head, I'm taking DeAndre Swift in this situation, just tied to the better offense. And like, do you see the way Jason Kelsey is moving out there, Scott? It is unbelievable. I, I, I rewinded it last night to show Katie. I said, look how this guy just moves for the center. He, he He's audible and plays with Jalen Hurts, calling things off. It is incredible. And I think they're going to lean on these guys down the stretch a little bit. No Dallas Goddard for the time being. And I think the passing game suffered a little bit from it last night. So I like Swift, but I totally understand. Like he's one injury away f- from being irrelevant. So that, you know. Side note, did you know that the Kelsey brothers were actually playing each other yesterday? No, I know. I know. They, did. They, they, they don't ever talk about it. No, they don't at all. I will say I do love that. I do love. Both I think it's them. really cool. I'm just being silly. No, I, I think know. it's great. It's great I for their mom. It's great. Everything. All right. Uh, here's a question from the forum, Scott. What is Derek Henry's rest of season value? Uh, our guy Jay Mazzudio, 24 over there at the forum, wants to know, did he mess up by trading Derek Henry and Donta Foreman for Jonathan Taylor and Romeo Dobbs? Um, first, let's no. just look. I, I don't think he did either. I don't think he did. I don't think he messed up either. Uh, to me, Henry's uh, low-end RB2 rest of season. There is some upside. Um, but he's been RB 20 on a points per game basis, Scott. And like, I think that's kind of how you have to treat him moving forward. He has three games with less than six PPR points, including just 23 total touches over the last two weeks. So how are you feeling? Uh, he does have a really nice strength of schedule, but there is some other concerns here. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that, 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 I would much rather have the Jonathan Taylor Romeo Dobbs side of that. I mean, not necessarily because of Henry, but also because of Foreman. I mean, Cleo Herbert came back and dominated that back, yep. you know, dominated that backfield. Foreman did score a touchdown, but 
you know, it, you know, and Roshan Johnson is a guy that's still there. It's like, I feel like we talked about Roshan Johnson a lot earlier in the season and it's just crickets with that guy. Um, but you know, it's, it's turning back into that messy backfield situation in Chicago. I mean, all credit to Deontay Foreman. He filled in and was a great fantasy asset when Khalil Herbert was out. Um, and if you ask me, I think maybe he still deserves to lead that backfield, but it's not looking that way. So, I mean, him being part of the trade doesn't really move the needle for me. And Derrick Henry, I mean, he's not that far removed from a, you know, a, a good fantasy day, hundred yard day, you know, yeah. but like you said, over the last couple games, and I don't think it's because they're like, oh, we need to not give Derrick Henry the ball as much. It's because that offense is a shell of itself as Will, Le- Will Levis tries to figure out how to play football in the NFL. Um, you know, I mean, he was, he was seen as kind of a raw project quarterback. Hell yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think he was really anticipated for him to start. And if, I mean, he came in and had that first game just out of nowhere, Cinderella story, four touchdowns, three to Andre Hopkins, you know, oh my God, everybody was wrong about Will Levis, but it's been pretty ugly since then. Um, and that cascades down to the whole offense. So it's not necessarily that I'm sitting here saying, oh, this is here. We're all watching Derek Henry fall off the running back clip. I don't necessarily think we're there yet. But I do think just the incompetence of this offense now, um, I have a lot of concerns for, for Derrick Henry. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, would much rather, I would much rather have Jonathan Taylor, regardless of how that goes. It's just, you know, that, that potential with Jonathan Taylor is, I think, a lot higher. Yeah, Derrick Henry outsnapped by Ty J Spears in seven out of ten games. And while Spears isn't doing like a, an absolute shit ton with that that work, it's just taking away snaps from Henry. And like at the end of the day, like he was living on volume. And now that volume's cratered, his efficiency's cratered down to I think four point two yards per carry. I know that's not the end all be all, but when you're playing behind a kind of a shaky offensive line that their best offensive lineman is a rookie who went through surgery earlier this season. Like there's going to be some issues of course. And like you said, Will Levis just kind of trying to figure it out here on the fly in Tennessee. Um, And it's risky to me because yes, the schedule's great, Scott, but it's kind of like a catch 22. Like if they're out of it, are they just going to see what they have in Spears for a game or two and just run him into the dirt and just see like, Hey, can he be the guy? Or do we go after a Braylon Allen? Do we go after a Raheem Rocket Sanders next year in the draft? Like, like those are the questions I think we have to start asking ourselves. Is that what Tennessee and Vrabel are thinking? I mean, it could be. I mean, maybe Spears, like you said, has already been out snapping Henry. You know, he hasn't he hasn't been out touching him necessarily. Yes, He's been out snapping right. him. Um, you know, I don't know if they view Spears like a lot of us want him to be a three down guy. I mean, Spears is a guy I have, have stashed everywhere, and I'm going to be very stubborn about it, even in redraft. <laughs> Me season's going to end and I'm still just going to be like, he's mine. Even though the season's over, and <laughs> it's gone. I'm still going to be like, nope, I'm waiting for him to break out. Um, so it, it's hard. To, it's just hard to tell. I just I don't think they're they're not going anywhere with Will Levis. Um, I mean, I think part of this potentially is to see what they have in Levis as well, because it wouldn't be the first team in the world to draft a quarterback high in the draft the year after they drafted a quarterback somewhat high in the draft. Jimmy Clausen. Um, because they're they're going to have a high pick in the first round next year. And I've seen some early mocks coming out that no one's no one's mocking a QB to Tennessee. And I'm like, you know, the 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 very classic meme or gif going out right now. You sure about that? Um, because I don't I don't know if Will Levis is it. So it's a messy situation. It's a bad offense. Um, there's not going to be a ton of scoring opportunities, not going to be a ton of high value tar- high value touches. Um, already being out snapped by the rookie. I just He'll have those games where on sheer volume, he'll get you a good day, but it's not the Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. the dominant, 
RB1 set it and forget it situation that it has been. Yeah. Hey, be proud of this trade, Jay Mazzudio, man. Yeah. This is a good one. This is a good one, bro. Um, we got Hoove in the chat saying, hey, yo, what's up, Hoove? Good to see you. Who probably knows uh, some Tennessee landing spots for uh, quarterbacks this year. Uh, he said, what should I sell for Levis then? So I, I'll, I'll throw out a trade that I made a, a couple weeks ago right after Will Levis at his peak. And I, I think it was risky, but I, I'm in a situation where I'm just in a complete rebuild and I just kind of need a, as many picks as I can. I traded Levis and Zach Charbonnet for a first and Sky Moore and Tutu Atwell. Probably going to be about a middle first. And I know it's risky. I didn't get both of the, like, it's the first year in a dynasty league. So I, I didn't take them with, like, you know, first or second round picks. Scott, um, do you think, like, how do you, how do you feel about that trade? Would you be looking to sell Levis for potentially first round pick in dynasty? I would sell Levis for a first round pick in dynasty in a heartbeat. Personally, would you do it with um, Zach Charbonnet attached? What's that? Would you do it with Zach Charbonnet attached to it? You mean I trade Charbonnet and Levis for a first? Yeah. Um, that mm, if it would, but, it would have to be a, a, at least a mid or a high high first for that. Okay. Um, I mean, we're about to see the the Charbonnet experiment unfold in Seattle. You know, albeit with some really brutal matchups upcoming. Um, but I still think he's, I think he's a future three down back in the NFL. I just, I don't know if Levis, I just, I was low on him coming in. I ate some crow for one week when he threw four touchdowns. Um, I just don't know if he's the guy. So it is risky. You're right. It is in in a super flex league selling a young cannon arm, you know, quarterback that has some, has some ceiling characteristics. Um, this, this quick is, uh, is a risk, but, um, there's no, a shit ton coming in this draft, though. There are so many, like, at least, like, high upside quarterbacks. Guys who could easily bust with so many high upside quarterbacks that I don't mind. I don't mind moving. I really don't. Yeah. Like, I, and, and I'm the high guy on Levis. Keep that in mind, too. I'm the high guy on him. I I, I like Levis. You know, former Penn State guy. Wish we would have kept him. Um, Here's one from Douglas. Would you trade away Kelsey and Charbonnet for Olave? Laporta and Aaron Jones in PPR redraft. His running backs are Bijan, Singletary, Ford, Gibbs, receivers, Devonta Smith, Drake London, JSN, Deontay Johnson, and Rice. So it'd be trading away Kelsey and Charbonnet for Olave, Laporta, and Aaron Jones. I'm not doing this trade. No, no way. No, I'm not either. No way. I I mean, Aaron Jones, like, like you might not be getting him back, like any anything for, for the rest of the season. Sears, like, he could be laid up for the rest of the years. I don't know if the Packers will bring him back. He's technically week to week right now, so he could play in two weeks. And uh, but he also, you know, could be shut down. I, I can't give up Kelsey, and that's the thing. And like Charbonnet is a bit of a lottery ticket right here in the rest of the season for redraft too. He he's appealing. Yeah, I mean, for me to make this deal, I think the Aaron Jones piece would have to be a much higher running back. Yep. Then I would consider it. Um, but I mean, you've got to, you've got to be able to cash in on Kelsey higher than this. And I mean, it depends on how you feel about Laporta. A lot of people are super, including myself are like very into Laporta already, but as far as what the market value is, I think you can get more. And I mean, Charbonnet, I mean, we're at a, we're at a moment where it's a potential, potential high value point in redraft because he hasn't played yet. He hasn't been the starter yet. So there's all this speculation like, yeah. oh, it's it's Charbonnet season that everybody has when a starter gets hurt. There's a guy we've wanted to get work behind him. He's coming in. He might not do that well with that with that schedule. So I would also, you know, I would be trying to get to get a little bit more value back from those two combined. 
Douglas, you'll have to tell us where you are in your league, what your record is, what your situation is. But like, if I can hold on one more week and then maybe I can, I can wait for Deontay Johnson to bounce back. Maybe I can pair a Deontay Johnson with a Singletary or a Ford, flip them for a, a higher wide receiver. Like, I think that's your issue here. It's like, I, I see you need a wide receiver. I've been kind of low guy on Chris Olave all season. I, I still don't like absolutely love him rest of the season. Um, I, I, I don't love the schedule either, but like there's other receivers. I think I would like a little bit more. We, we talked about Brandon Ayuk at length earlier in the show. I think he's an, an intriguing option. Maybe you can go get um, Tank Dell. I mean, you'd be buying real fucking eye on Tank Dell right now. So maybe that's not the call. Puka Nakua, like, like Devonte, like there are, I think better names you can maybe get for a little less here is all. I, I can't give away Kelsey. He's top 12 player. He's that dude. Uh, Hoove. If Mac Jones was in Pittsburgh, would Canada still be there? Oh, man. I I don't know. I can't answer that hypothetical, but he is not there, Hoove, so we're going to be happy about it. Um, no Mac Canada. Hopefully no Mac Jones in our future. This will bring up a very interesting point in Pittsburgh's uh, future outlook, though, Scott. What is Kenny Pickett? We're going to find out the next seven weeks. They're doing the dual coordinator play caller thing. I don't know if I love that. Um, so, so a lot of question marks here in Pittsburgh, but I think we're going to find out a lot about Mr. Pickett in the last, next couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, my prediction is we're probably going to see some fairly immediate results just in the style of the offense. I mean, if, and this is speaking more from talking to people like you and our buddy, our buddy Herms, you know, people that are a little bit more in in tune with what's going on in Pittsburgh and just how limiting how limiting Matt Canada has basically been with his play calling. So, I mean, I'm hoping we see just more down the field, you know, just more creativity, um, you know, more going for touchdowns, more going more going for wins. Uh, you know, I hope we see that right away. Um, you know, but it it is true. It, you know, I think we'll know in the next few weeks whether. You know, it was a Matt Canada problem or whether it was a Kenny Pickett problem or like I think probably both. I mean, I don't think Kenny Pickett is a super talented quarterback, right. um, but we will right. see. I think we are going to see like just how much of an anchor and not in the good way um, Matt Canada <laughs> has been on this offense. Uh, Douglas in the chat. I appreciate the advice, guys. If no one else needs help, I'm five and six and one game out of the playoff spot. All the contenders want to take Kelsey from the guy that's struggling. So most wide receiver names are open. Listen, man, I, I know you're struggling, but like a lot of times selling your best player, like looking at your team, I, I still think Kelsey's your best player. Like Gibbs is up there at this point for me too. Um, I don't think selling your best player, like you have depth on this team. I think you just need higher end wide receivers. Like you need to consolidate somehow. Can you trade a London and a JSN and get up there? Can you trade a, a forward and, and, and a Devonta like, and just upgrade somehow. Like, I think that's almost the way it needs to go here rather than try to give up your best player. Like I know everyone's coming at you and that's what they're trying to do. Like they're trying to stick you with one of their mediocre wide receivers, but just don't do that. I, I think there's better names to go after Scott. Would you agree? I would agree. And I mean, I think in this scenario, the change, this changes it a little bit for me with, with, you know, just Kelsey being completely off limits. I mean, if you're five and six and you're one game out of playoff spot, meaning I, I'm, I'm assuming this means there's still a chance to make you're battling for a playoff spot. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm giving up Kelsey in that scenario with a lot of suitors, I want to I want something that's going to give me, you know, not there are no guarantees, 
but I want something in return that's going to help me make the playoffs. It will up my chances of making the playoffs significantly. Um, and I don't think Olave and Laporta does that. They, I mean, Fuck neither no, of them. I mean, Laporta no. has been great. He's still a rookie um, with a lot of mouths to feed in Detroit. Um, Olave, you know, again, he's one of those guys like the guys I've mentioned before, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, blah, 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 who have very good peripherals, you know, just hasn't clicked with fantasy points. A lot of, you know, a lack of touchdowns is one is one thing, but it's just, it's not a guy that's going to move the needle for you immediately in the next couple of weeks, you know? So in this situation, the only way I'd be giving up Kelsey, especially if I then make the playoffs and have to face Kelsey in the playoffs that I traded to, um, I want, you know, I might want something that seems a little egregious, you know, to really up my chances of sneaking into the playoffs. Good luck, Douglas. Good luck out there, buddy. We appreciate the question. Hope you subscribe, come back, hang out with us again. Let us know how else we can help you. And uh, Scott, some great questions from the chat tonight. Some great questions from Fantasy Football Advice Network. Um, And let's go ahead and round out the show here within the scope and help Douglas, Hoove, everyone else in the chat tonight uh, get a little bit better uh, on their back end of their teams with uh, some sneaky waiver wire additions. Requesting permission to engage. In the scope. All right, in the scope. This is our waivers a week early. So we're not going to go over the mainstream targets. You guys know them by now at this point in the week. It's Zach Charbonnet. It's Keaton Mitchell. It's Josh Downs, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed. If these guys are out there, OBJ, you should be adding them. We just did a, a waiver wire article on the site in betweenmedia.com on Monday. You can check that out. We also have in the scope up there with all our mainstream targets listed. They're also in the ticker here on YouTube, uh, scrolling across the bottom of the feed. So, Scott, let's look past the mainstream a little bit. Who is someone that you're looking to potentially grab for a $0 fab bid or potentially off a of free agency after the waivers run? So, my, I mean, this gets a little tougher as the season goes along. You know, because oh, so much tougher. We're digging deep into the very, very low roster ship world. Um, I feel like I feel like whenever these in the scopes come up, just side note, I start thinking of guys, and then I go into the show sheet, and they're already listed in the mainstream <laughs> targets. You know what I mean? So, one mainstream target we should at least mention is Isaiah Likely. Don't yep. spend whatever fab. Don't spend all the rest of your fab like everybody did. You know, early in the season, but Mark Andrews is out for the season, so Isaiah Likely should be rostered, um, and he's. That 1% roster ship right now. So my in the scope, this is, this is kind of a deep cut, but this is a guy I've kind of been having my eye on more in dynasty circles, but could pan out potentially in redraft. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rookie wide receiver, Trey Palmer. So he's had a few, he's had a few little, he's had a few moments this year, few touchdowns, but what surprised me is, you know, he's been above a 70% route participation and above a 75% snap share over the four, last four games. His targets per route run, not super fantastic. His yards per route run, but we're not talking about a guy I think is going to come in and win your your league. We're talking about about a guy that has been trending upward. Um, He's had six six targets, four targets, four targets, six targets in his last four games, which if you do math, that's an average of five targets um, with an average of four catches per game. So, you know, nothing crazy, but like he ran a 4-3-3-40. You know, he was a six-round pick. So, you know, the, the odds of him even making the team and being in this situation were low. He's there. He's been playing a lot. His snap share dipped down in the middle of the season, but it's, it's, it's gone back up. He's on the field a lot with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, um, and he's a burner. So, you know, again, he hasn't been putting up huge fantasy days, but he's a guy that's involved on a team that passes the ball a lot. 
Um, so, you know, if you've got, if you've got room, he's, he is a guy, he is a guy that could be, could be used in a pinch. Trey Palmer's a really great at 0.8% rostered. Great feel good story too. He was with LSU kind of battling at the back end of their roster for a couple of years, transfers out to the big 10 Nebraska and just breaks out, does a lot of different things for them. He was kind of known as a flyer at one point. They, they finally figured out, Hey, this guy's fast as fuck. Like, like, why don't we run some slants for him? Like, yeah. Fast, <laughs> yeah, dude. He 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 can go, and uh, I think what's what's could be s- some sneaky upside with Palmer too. And like, I don't ever want to f- predict or analyze injuries or anything like that, that. You know, but this Tampa Bay offense has been very very healthy this season. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have been no no stranger to the IR, to missing games, and and they've been very healthy. Same with Rashad White. So if anything were to happen to one of those guys, someone might have to step up, and that could be Trey Palmer. So knock on wood, it doesn't happen. I'm going to throw out a quick one here. I have two tonight. I just couldn't really decide, and one of them is very speculative. It's Kenny McIntosh, running back Seattle Seahawks. Seventh-round pick, he's expected to make his debut on Thursday uh, on Thanksgiving against the 49ers. He was nursing that knee sprain pretty much all season, came back in week 10, was healthy, was a scratch, was a scratch in week number 11 as well, mostly because DJ Dallas plays special teams, I think, and they're not going to take him off off the field because he does that so well. But Pete Carroll coming out and stirring shit up. Um, first of all, he says Kenneth Walker's oblique injury is, quote, legit, and uh, also said that McIntosh okay. is, quote, going right to the front. Does that mean front of the game plan does that mean front of the depth chart who the hell knows kenny mcintosh like the guy didn't have a prolific career we can't like act like he was you know deandre swift at georgia or even james cook for that matter still though had over 1300 yards as a senior very good pass catcher and it'll be interesting to see does he take that lead role or does he take kind of the charbonnet change of pace or is it just a three-headed committee and he's kind of shuffled to the back it's not a bad speculative ad because we have no idea how long Kenneth Walker is going to be out. It could be a Christian McCaffrey oblique injury and he's back ne- next week, or he could be out multiple weeks. Scott, how do you feel about McIntosh uh, being a fan and follower of the Seattle Seahawks? I mean, I think he's a good speculative ad. Um, I mean, I think, I think while Walker is out, this is Charbonnet's backfield. I don't think DJ Dallas or Kenny McIntosh are going to, I think you they're t- going to tell me Pete Carroll's lying. You tell me Pete Carroll. I think they're lying. going to play a role, but I just think that the the separation in talent between him and DJ Dallas and Kenny McIntosh is going to keep. You know, he, he was already starting to see the field with Ken, with Kenneth Walker more. I'm not I'm not saying that you know the Seahawks are always going to use a rotation, but I think what this could be is that you know, and like you you said it, the reason Kenny McIntosh hasn't found the field yet is because DJ Dallas not only does he play special teams, he's been he's been a He's been a productive he's, returner this year for the Seahawks. Yeah, he's good. Um, which was part of the reason they originally drafted him. He was a returner with Miami. Um, I, I remember as a fan, I was always like, this guy doesn't do much on his returns. But this year, he's been solid. So, you know, it could be that, you know, McIntosh is coming in to take some of the the receiving work that DJ Dallas has been having on offense so he can, you know, be fresh for these for the return game. Um but I, I, you know, that's just that's just speculation. That's kind of hope that because I'd, I'd love to see Kenny McIntosh. You know, I'd love to see him hit. I'd love to see the Seahawks find yeah. a diamond in the rough in the seventh round. I thought McIntosh should have been drafted higher. I was a little surprised he fell that far. I mean, I wasn't in love with him as a college prospect. But right. Seventh round seemed kind of kind of low. Um, so I think it will be. I think it will probably be more of a messy rotation between him and Dallas behind Charbonnet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, they've got they've got a schedule coming up where they they they're going to need to rely on the pass. You know, not they're they're never going to just rely on the pass exclusively. But you know, th- these matchups they have not only are they you know easier to pass on than run on, they're easier to pass to running backs on than run on. So we you know we could we could see some PPR value for for Kenny McIntosh moving forward. Low key gives me like little uh, Thomas Rawls vibes. Like that year when Thomas Rawls came in, Thomas Rawls wasn't supposed to be the main backup. I can't remember who was supposed to be in Thomas Rawls kind of. Yeah, oh, Rawls was undrafted. Rawls to me was kind of the original, the original Pacheco. You see all the jokes <laughs> about like, oh, you know, there, I saw one on Twitter where it was like two, two doors smashed down and somebody's tweeted like, oh, it was Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco gaining four yards. <laughs> um, Rawls was the original guy that just like yeah. I mean, ran like he was on fire. So I like the Rawls shot uh crew sorry i missed your original uh question here in the chat man mcbride or ferguson rest of season feels like i'm damned if i do damned if i don't i'm trying to roster both if i have them i i I really like but it is easily mcbride yeah you're right scott mcbride is so much better like just as far as a a target standpoint the guy is is seeing the targets and he's so productive and athletic like he's making the most of them yeah, I mean, like he had that first breakout game, and you could point to garbage time for for a lot of that. But he then had another game with double digit targets, you know, ninety yards, touchdown. I think, I mean, I think it was Murray's first game back. Like he targeted the hell out of t- Trey McBride. I mean, I think McBride, like, I think he's a legit. He's up there in the top six guys from here on out. Like, I, I, I think he's legit. Um, which is which is great to see because we kind of forgot about him for a year. You know, he was the highest drafted tight end last year in the second round. And, you know, due to injury, due to Zach Ertz, you know, he just kind of went forgotten about. I do really like I do like Jake Ferguson, though. Um, mm-hmm, same. So, yeah, if I if I have room for two, I, I, I'd i I'd like to have both of these guys. But I'm I mean, McBride last week, I it didn't really pan out that greatly. But I played him in my, in my flex alongside Laporta. Like McBride's one of those guys, especially in PPR. Um you know, like we said before, I he's I think he's the guy that's going to be on the on more of ta- the end of Kyler T- Murray's targets than Marquise Brown. Yep. Jake Ferguson does have the best tight end schedule rest of the season. So, again, there's value here. If you're talking about dropping one of them, I would keep both. Can you leverage one in a trade, preferably Ferguson? Um, but hey, shout out in the scope because uh, we actually we 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 spotlighted uh trey mcbride early in the season i think it was week five or week six it there was one of those weeks he had really no production yet but he he had run a lot more routes and that was before zach Ertz even got hurt so shout out to in the scope because uh it got mcbride on a couple of my teams and hopefully some of our listeners as well early uh appreciate the question cruz i'm gonna round us out scott tonight with uh, my final in the scope target and just another guy, I, I, I'm picking up speculative here. It's Dearness Johnson uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 54 yards, eight touches in week 11 versus the Titans. A little bit garbage timey, but he came out and at the beginning of the, the, the second half, the first full drive, he had it and he was explosive on it, man. RB 39-35 the last two weeks on 13 touches. And I think he's actually the the handcuff. I, I know Tank Bigsby's kind of been the perceived handcuff to, to Travis Etienne. But, dude, Tank Bigsby sucks. Tank Bigsby is god-awful. Causes interceptions on the tip balls all the time. He's dropped, like, three balls that have turned into interceptions. Pen- big penalty on him on special teams last week as well. Averaging 2.9 yards per carry. 
And I still think ETN is going to be that dude like rest of the season. I'm not too worried about it, but he did see a season low of touches in week 10 with 13 and back-to-back weeks got under a 70% snap share for the first time all season. I mean, Travis ETN has been, has taken so many touches. I think we kind of knew a little bit of regression was going to come because I mean, the, the touches were just off the chart early in the season and the snap. So like, it's good to actually see him getting a little rest. And I think Dearness is going to be that guy to spell him a little bit. Potentially week 17 matchup at the Panthers. Maybe ETN doesn't go if they have that division locked up and, and you can throw out Dearness. I, I just want him on my team because I have a lot of ETN. So I, I think he's someone people should be adding, Scott. Yeah, I've always liked Dearness Johnson. He was in Cleveland. He's one of those guys like, I mean, not quite to the same level as Devin Singletary, but that I wish would go somewhere and get, get a shot like Devin Singletary got this year. I mean, I think I think Dearness Johnson's a solid running back. I think you're right. I think he is. I think he is the more likely handcuff to Travis Etienne. Yeah, I mean, Etienne's still, he, you know, he's still top four in like our running back opportunity share. He's been a bell cow. So, you know, great for Etienne owners. Will that continue? Easily could just continue. We could just continue to see really no value outside of Etienne in the Jacksonville running game. However, you know, they, they, they're sitting at what are they're seven and three right now? They're atop, atop that division and probably going to stay on top of that division. If, if they beat the Texans this week, I think they really are going to solidify that then. Oh, the, why did I forget about the Texans? Um, never mind. That could be a neck and neck race to where they wouldn't be resting ETN. And, but, but anyway, you know, I think there's a, there's a chance that this guy gets more involved because we are, we are hitting the home stretch. You know, we're, we're approaching the fantasy playoffs and whatnot. But, you know, these teams are starting to, you know, you know lock in potential playoff spots like real NFL yes. playoffs. Yep. So, you know, letting letting someone like Darius Johnson cut into ETN's time uh work workload, whether it's just throughout a game or in garbage time sometime, could have some value. Love it, man. And Scott, I appreciate you being here with me, man. And I appreciate the IBT family rolling with us tonight as well. Um, I just wanted to say one last piece of advice, more life, you know, unsolicited life advice from your pal Seth tonight. Um, and Scott, maybe you can weigh on this too. Like with the holidays this year and just in general now kind of moving forward where I am in life, like I'm trying to like set expectations with my family, with my friends and just saying like, Hey, I can't do this this year. I can't make, especially with doing what we do here, content creation. It's really hard for, for me to do a lot of things because, because we're here, you know, we, we have a dedicated schedule. We got to continue to follow throughout the holidays and like still make time for your loved ones. But like, it can be on your own time. It doesn't always have to be the date of Thanksgiving. You know, you can have a Saturday dinner or a Sunday dinner, like just something to keep in mind, like have boundaries and, and just be respectful of other people's boundaries too. If they say they can't make something. Cause I felt like growing up, it was like you were expected to be at every, you know, family function for the holidays. And I, I think we should, you know, normalize. And I think we are a little bit more as a society, Scott, like, Hey, just say when you need time for yourself to rest. And like, so the holidays are actually fun for you. Cause I burned myself out so many years going across the state, trying to get to every everyone's function yeah i mean it's good advice you know i mean do what works for you but i agree i mean in my personal situation you know especially before i got married i definitely fell in the camp of we did we were at the same place on the holiday every Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. but it was it was it was pleasant and it was all in this region we weren't traveling more than an hour okay so you know it's not but i i get it i get like i've I've then once i got married and there's multiple families involved Mm -hmm. there were years where we tried to do both and we had to say, okay, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to start alternating. So this year we'll do Thanksgiving with her family. We'll do Christmas with mine. Next year we switch it. 
And we've been doing that, which has which has which has helped a lot to just have one thing to focus on. But yeah, and I mean the holidays can be, you know, the holidays can be a tough time. Um, you know, as like a as like a recovering addict, alcoholic, whatever. Um, I know that holidays can be a super triggering time, you know, yeah. for something as simple as you're getting together and a bunch of people are drinking in front of you or whatever. So as I always do, you know, if anybody ever needs to reach out to talk about that kind of stuff, especially over the holidays. Um, I'm never, if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, um, DM me, I'll always respond. Um, you know, I'm not going to be like, no, it's Thanksgiving. So I'm not, screw that. I'm on Twitter all the time. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, yeah. I mean, take care of yourself first and foremost is, is the point. Awesome. Well, Scott, I appreciate you being here, man. I appreciate the IBT family out there. Kyle, looking forward to seeing you this weekend, my brother. And guys, enjoy the holidays. Be safe out there. If you're going to be having some, go, 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 let's go, let's do baby. Number let's four, go, baby. Uh, if you guys are drinking this weekend, please have a designated driver, call an Uber. Uh, final thoughts for me, though. Uh, but enjoy football. Enjoy week number 12. We only get so many left of these. So uh, let's let's do it big this weekend, guys. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep it in between. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>